Well, welcome to a kind of sad day of useful idiots. Or a I new want, day, depending on how you look. It's both. Yeah. It's a new chapter. I don't want to say it's the end of an era. It's like a pause of one era, an inauguration of a new era. It's a you between wanna, era. It's it's between era. Era-ish. Yeah. It's a new era-ish. Right. And I, and I hope everyone watching this is sitting down or listening to this is sitting down. Now, you may not be. Well, probably you be, for watching. You may be parachuting. <laughs> yeah. Parachuting it. <laughs> but watch. You may be afraid of, like, heights, and so you want to do something that engages you, like watch your favorite show so that you're not distracted by, you know, right. following I see. Guidelines. So if you're, if you're doing, if you're trying to do, like, a, a high-wire act, this is yeah. what you'd be listening to in order to calm your nerves yeah exactly on the way over yeah. if that's the case this might not be the show yeah you may want to pause this and yeah. listen to some other podcast and, and get to the other side oh yeah that uh, too right yeah and then and and then come back so because we have a little bit of an announcement the announcement is and let's just cut to the chase i'm going to be uh taking some time off going to step away from the 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 podcast for a little bit i have a a deal to write a book got a pretty tight tight deadline just going to be pressed for time so just won't be able to do it for a while and as a result aaron mate is going to step in and uh and take my place buzzsaw uh, mate as they call him buzzsaw mate is that what they call him yeah that's what we're telling people is why you're stepping away but really bashar al-assad <laughs> is is exploring with matt i'm a little hurt that they didn't want me involved but they're starting a reality tv show mm. why don't you tell them about it matt yeah uh damascus shore yes uh, damascus shore yeah yeah no that's that's certainly the real reason uh, also the you know the the rehab for uh you know my addiction to god what's 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 the horrible drug that i ayahuasca matt has a really bad ayahuasca habit you right. cannot stop drinking that vine-based beverage which makes him purge from both ends but resolve a lot of early life trauma early childhood trauma and he's just he needs to kick the habit or else he's going to damage his organs right Right. So I've got to step away to take care of that for a little while. Yeah. In all seriousness, we know per personally, I think the show's probably going to do just as well, if not better without me, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. But there are probably going to be some people who are uh, upset. And of course, we're here to listen to all those complaints or any yeah. any uh, reservations that any of you have. Uh, we're incredibly grateful uh, to the support of our subscribers, which allowed us to continue the show. And hopefully we'll allow the show to continue even further. Yeah. Um, or else you let but, Pod Save America win. Yeah, right. The terrorists win otherwise. Thank you uh, for being understanding about this. Uh, and if you're not understanding about it, we, we uh certainly happy to listen in to uh, any of those complaints. Yeah. But let's 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 look at this, you know, with an optimistic point of view and say this is gonna be cool and yeah. Um, and the book I'm writing is interesting. It's a, it's it's about a sort of a sector by sector look at how every, how every industry ripped everybody off during the the pandemic. So it's kind of in the mold of books like Griftopia or The Divide. Has to be kind of heavily reported, which is why why I got to take the time off. That should be uh, it. Should be fun. 
uh it's gonna be tough hard work uh but i think i think it's gonna be good for everybody so you're you forgot a very important part of this of our transition which is that matt is not disappearing mm -hmm. he'll be doing pop-ups yeah i'll be i'll be around from, from time to time there might be a few live things that we do here and there that i'll i'll drop in on and yeah. uh a couple interviews so not going not stepping away completely it's just that I, uh, the scheduled time i need to have open so it's not a resignation right it's not a resignation it's a sabbatical to and, and specifically to get something done so yes. we'll see we'll see how that goes and we're but, gonna uh, have an exclusive some kind of exclusive with matt oh right yes okay yeah we gotta provide the community with the community which gave you your start you see what you don't what matt is not saying is that before useful idiots matt really didn't have much of a career yeah yeah my my q rating was like negative four yeah so thanks so. to us by which i mean me wilson and all the viewers and listeners matt got this book deal so right. matt for the first time ever is going to be writing a book right it's been right. on his bucket list i'm not looking at this as unearned privilege privilege this is i'm standing on the shoulders of of, giants. of uh, of, uh Useful, of idiots. useful idiots right yeah in fact that's we're, we're getting a co-writing credit guys it's by matt daibi <laughs> and, useful <laughs> and, and useful idiots yeah that's all right we have a great chat for you today um as really usual great. we're not going to tell you who the guest is but um somebody we like a lot and yeah so and do you know, normally and we know you yeah. like him too and as yeah. wilson described this just to put a pin in it it's a new twist on an old favorite right exactly exactly so i guess we should just get to uh the four food groups our, yeah, our last it. four food groups for a while you're up right yep i am up yeah so what what do we have? what do we have all right let's let's take it away all right so we got a great clip from biden uh and i thought it'd be interesting to actually well well let's play the clip and then i'll 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 read the tweet that described it i think pretty accurately so this is biden being asked about covid look there is no federal solution this gets solved at a state level. Look, there is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. So Joe Biden on COVID, there is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. And Kate Willett, friend of the Katie Helper Show, great comedian and author says, so the Trump response without the stimulus checks, which is, I think, kind of an accurate way of, of describing it. That's a pretty weird thing for the president of the United States to say. I mean, it has good Strom Thurmond energy. <laughs> Right. Oh, I mean, like a st state states, states rights. rights. Yeah. I mean, there are some things that are legitimately are state issues like policing. It, it's pretty tough to stand up and say the federal government is going to do something to sweepingly change police tactics in the country since they don't actually have a police force. Yeah, I see uh, what you're saying. Uh huh. But and and uh, Derricka Purnell tweeted out uh, a quote from the Biden Harris campaign, which was Biden believes we must spend whatever it takes without delay to meet public health needs and deal with the mounting economic consequences. The federal government must act swiftly and aggressively to help protect and support our families. Well, look, they, I mean, they, they, they punted on loan decision, which yeah, big time. didn't I predict that I predicted they would do I that. Think we should have done that. In fact, we can do that today in our show, what we predict for this year. It's very, it's it's very hard for the, as we've seen, it's very hard for the Biden administration to suddenly turn off like a Trump pro, a program that was started by Trump to stall student loan payments, for instance, right? right. 
and and so for them now to kind of back away and say well yeah covid and the the implications of it that's a state problem jeez i don't know um i mean, I mean that, that's, that's a pretty hard one that's a hard one to survive i would think uh, well yeah and just to point out i, I just want to uh there's a, a doctor a primary care doctor named andrew goldstein who who responded to this clip of biden and he said wrong you have power potus you could one message the urgency and ability to save lives fund vaccine outreach cdc guidance on mask mandates mark test provision venue protections for vaccine patent waivers and tech transfer five osha worker safety standards so those are just some ways well there's all the various i don't even remember what the acts are called but like the national defense whatever act that allows them to marshal the nation's industrial resources um, yeah by fiat yeah. essentially yeah. to you know to correct problems and so you know their their power in a in a genuine emergency which i guess you could argue this still is 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 pretty it's pretty limitless yeah uh maybe biden just doesn't believe in himself enough maybe that's what it is do we need to give him a pep talk <laughs> about, his limiting, about his limiting <laughs> beliefs that are getting in the I don't way know. You know what? I wouldn't underestimate it. I just wrote a piece about how how I think that they're because you you saw they did this whole thing about how opening up a new program to give parents more input into education, which is clearly a response to the drop and pull numbers um, and the Terry McAuliffe thing, but particularly the 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 sort of un, unprecedented drop in pull numbers on Democrats and Republicans on the education issue. Right. You know that the the pattern with Biden is that we just tend in recently is that we tend to underestimate him. We we tend to think that he's so maladroit and and right. ridiculous that and, and that the stuff he does is is just not like politically survivable. Yeah, and, and yet next thing you know he's being elected. Right. Um, oh my God, so. Yeah, I wonder about all these gaffes, the sort of lack of direction. And I wouldn't even call, call it, uh, classify the Build Back Better thing as a gaffe because as I've talked about a million times, yes. I, I think this is what they actually want. Wanted, right. But will that hurt them in the end? I have no idea. We'll have to see. Um, I mean, his one of his big shticks and a big shtick for Democrats in general and technocrats in general is the, you know, lack of feasibility of something and things are always impossible until they're not so right. it just can't be done until they're actually done whoops look what happened the, and this, that happens the, when there it's politically not survivable to no longer not do something yeah this is this is what the their, their big weapon against bernie was yes nice idea these pie in the sky fantasies about yeah puppies and rainbows yeah, puppies and rainbows. Oh, if if only we could pay for right. all that. And then next thing you know, they're approving, as we talked about last week, a one point three trillion dollar appropriation for defense and right. intelligence and stuff like that. It, it, it's obviously a failure of imagination. But to, to me, this 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 moment also reminds will, me a little bit of will, not even imagination. I feel like that's of, giving them too much credit. It's a, a failure of will. Yeah. It, it also reminds me of. Um, to that the sort of the winter of 2008 2009 but i guess early 2009 is the way to put it because it, that was after you know the country was in a genuine crisis right the economy had just collapsed it looked it looked like 
disaster was in front of us for a long, long time. And we had a new president with a ton of political momentum uh, at his back, who was liked by uh, people all over, including in Republican districts. They kind of failed to take advantage of that moment, you know, to do something interesting. You know, they, they, they could have really fixed some of the actual unfairness problems with the economy. They, um, they could have done something to actually root out the corruption. They could have made it more open in the way that FDR did. They just didn't do it. They just didn't, they didn't take advantage of that political opportunity. Biden administration in the wake of COVID is starting to remind me a little bit of that. They're in, a, in, in an emergency, both right. a political and an actual one, right? Because the country split and all these other things. And rather than think big, they... Because, yeah. they, I mean, it reminds me of a great book by a friend of show, frequent guest of show, Thomas Frank, called Listen Liberal. Uh, one of the biggest messages of that, I think, takeaways of that is how much the Democrats pretend they can't do things. And it's just that they don't right. want to do things. Just imagine for a second if Donald Trump had said that. Well, right. Yeah. Oh, my God. If you, you, you could play that exercise a million times. Yeah. Your it would head. be unprecedented moment of shirking responsibility, betraying the country, betraying the office of the presidency, betraying the founding fathers, a total ignorance of, democracy. of yes, of how uh, things work. Yeah. All the way. Right. I mean, people, blue checks would have listicles. Every right. single outlet would have a listicle of all the ways that Donald Trump could actually, you know, marshal the uh, the federal government to save right. lives. But because it's Biden. Oh, yeah, I guess. Look, he's right. OK, so we spent a lot of time talking about a five second. Uh, well, Biden we got to do it. We have we to do, do it. it. Yeah. It's a pretty um, big fucking deal. For Republicans suck. There's sort of a I guess it's sort of a matching weirdness. And there's no there's no video here, but um, Wilson, if we could just look at this story by MSNBC, which I rarely read anymore, unless I absolutely have to. But you hate reading. Uh, yeah, the headline is more red states extend unemployment aid to vaccine opponents. Go down and you read it. It was in the spring when many of the nation's Republican governors embraced a provocative economic idea, as regular readers may recall. After congressional Democrats approved enhanced unemployment benefits, these GOP officials decided the smart move would be to cut off the extra assistance to the jobless in the hopes that it would force people back to work faster. We now know, of course, that the, that the idea was wrong and that the Republican policy didn't have the intended effect. But the larger point remained unchanged. Leading GOP officials saw unemployment aid as a problem. The sooner jobless benefits could be curtailed, the better off we'd be. Uh, as able-bodied Americans for return to the workforce, paying people not to work, Republicans argued, was counterproductive. Uh, now we get to the punchline. In recent months, many of those same GOP officials have changed their minds, but only for a small part of the population. In October, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, one of the Republicans who rushed to get people off of jobless aid in the spring, acted quickly to make unemployment benefits available to those who lost their jobs for refusing to get vaccinated. Uh, a month later, a handful of other red states had done the same thing. The Washington Post reported yesterday, meanwhile, that the list is gradually growing. Uh, then blah, 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 it goes down. There's Arkansas, Florida, Iowa, Kansas, and Tennessee have carved out ex uh, exceptions. Uh, and Wyoming, Wisconsin, uh, and Missouri are reportedly weighing similar policies. So the punchline here is people who normally... <laughs> would like would very much like to curtail 
Um, one of the more important benefits that actually does exist in this country, which is unemployment um, aid, especially during a pandemic, those same people um, now think their, their hearts have been moved by one particular group of unfortunates, and it's the people who've lost their jobs due to vaccine policies. Right. Now, in one sense, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, I get this politically, right? Like, if, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm a Republican, I, I know exactly... I, I know why they do this, why they would do this, but it's 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 vile nonetheless in terms of the hypocrisy of it. Because it's right. if if you really really believe that there are people in this world who um, who just need the help, right? Uh, because life has dealt them a bad hand, but you only believe that for people who've lost their jobs because of vaccine, you know. Yeah. You know because of this reason that shows a pretty limited amount of um, imagination about what about the hardships that people go through and the reasons that people get fired if this is if this is the extent of, of your compassion compassion empathy. yeah exactly exactly that's that's pretty fucked up I would say. oh yeah it's disgusting i mean it's kind of real it's i almost am grateful to it for it because it's so revealing Although mm -hmm. no one cares, just like we're like, well, is this how can Biden do this? Is this politically survivable? And sadly, tragically, all these things seem to be politically survivable. But this is I know it's funny. It's like they're the culture, their culture war anti-vaxxerism is at odds with their usual sadism. And they're trying yeah, I, to balance those two things. Sorry, you oddly, yeah. oddly enough, I think I think Kim Reynolds, Wilson, you might want to look this up for me. I'm pretty sure Kim Reynolds is is, is one of the few GOP governors who has been, well, actually that's even, I'm wrong about that. A lot of the GOP governors have been pretty good about vaccine policies. They've been about making them available, about making sure that they, you know, everyone, has, people have access to it. Um, all the Republican governors have uh, created those programs. She's been one of the people who right. has actually been uh, leaning more towards the administration on vaccine law generally it's just it's just that she's trying to have her cake and eat it too or i guess the, the real expression is actually eat your cake and have it too it turns out really um yeah i just read that recently i can't remember where that but, makes um, more sense because have your cake and eat it too you have to have the cake to eat it so there's nothing yeah. notable about that but i guess it's eat it and then have it is you, once you eat it you don't have it so that's what makes it yeah anyway she's she's trying to you know, do the Solomon-esque uh, political thing by Norm Solomon, obviously reference the Norm Solomon-esque Solomon uh, political thing by yeah. uh, delivering to, you know, messaging for both sides of the aisle. Neither party cares about you. Both parties right. are OK having you Kim, drop dead. Kim Reynolds is one of those politicians that you cannot find an interesting video clip of. Oh, wow. There, there are not many. I mean, actually, I shouldn't say that. There are a lot of politicians like that who cannot be made to be interesting. But m most politicians have at least one funny video out there somewhere, you know, right? like even even Mitt Romney doing whoop, there it is. Right. It's funny. Uh, who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? Can we watch that, by the way? That's just funny. So here, here's here's Mitt Romney, who's one of the most boring people on the planet. You could sit next to Mitt Romney and, and not even sense an interesting thought for for yeah. like you know a year, and this happened. Hey, I can be a pair. 
know he's posing with young. Uh, who let the dogs out? Who? Who? <laughs> oh my god! With black teenagers and uh, black preteens, I would say, and uh, posing for a photo with them, and then just cites that classic song, "Who Let the Dogs Out?" Who? 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 Which is ironic, given that he famously uh, he put a put a, put put a, a dog on there, put yeah. a dog on top of his car driving from, I think uh massachusetts to vermont or maine or something something like that and it, it shat all over the car right on top of it because it was pro can i mean that's some sadism there yeah that's fucked up that's fucked yeah. up i could not vote for some and, and yet his child tax credit uh bill is better than joe biden's so and and his health care health care plan is is i would say better than the, the Obamacare. Obamacare, yeah. But yeah, no. But even for him, I, I remember covering him. Um, yeah. Did you ever? Yeah. Were you ever like an eye? Did you ever make eye contact with him? Were you close enough to do that? Oh yeah, no. There were. I, I was. I was in an. I was with him on some pretty small events in New Hampshire and uh, Iowa and South Carolina, and um, but I remember thinking like this is this is the most boring person that I've ever covered like it's going to be impossible to dream up an angle to make this person interesting but it turns out that there are there are people even less interesting than Mitt Romney out there I'm not going to say that Kim Reynolds is one of them but I'm I'm guessing that she, she is I do. It's yeah. a, a cursory review uh, certainly uh suggests that that's the case but uh who's your most boring politician Katie I don't know because I feel like I don't know I don't pay attention to them if they're boring most of the ones you 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 know about are kind of interesting because of the, because they're, they're at least sleazy, right? Right. Like Matt Gates, like one. you 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 look at him and you and you and all kinds of interesting thoughts go through your head about like what this person's probably yeah. like. We had we had some pretty boring candidates during the twenty twenty Democratic oh, thinking, primary race. Well, I like him. What's his name from Washington? Inslee, Jay Inslee. Yeah, Jay Inslee. He was cool. He was he wholesome, was cool. so he's not boring. Actually, I don't know who's a boring uh, Gavin Newsom, but he's also a sleazeball. So that doesn't Deval, work. Deval Patrick. Yeah, he's kind of boring. Deval John Patrick. Delaney was pretty boring. Yeah, in, in in that race, the the other people who were bore who you would think of as boring were Tim Ryan. Were Tim Ryan, yeah, but well, he else? was so boring, he was like invisible though. Except when he was like, you don't have to yell. Right. Remember he said that and then like turned into a bumper sticker. Then there was Tom Steyer. Remember like who who's his, yes. who, who's the, the, his method for combating his boringness was a was a like dancing. A, no, the red, the red tie. Oh, yeah. Well, the red plaid tie. That's just the tip of the iceberg. He had a couple things going for him. He kind of looked like a Keebler elf. And although I would argue the other guy from 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 2016 was more of a Keebler elf. Lincoln Chafee is who I'm thinking of. Oh yeah, the man who's made of looks like he's made of granite. Does he? Or he looks like he's wearing a mask of himself. No, but he also has a great. There's a great performance of him dancing to back that ass up. Him and his wife. Really? Lincoln oh my Chafee? god. No. Sorry, Tom Steyer. Oh right, yes. No, we we watched that. Yes, it's I remember great. that. Yeah, and it was great. Yeah. he of course totally fanboyed out at Bernie Sanders. Remember when he and Elizabeth Warren were fighting because because Elizabeth Warren lied. She's so boring. She's actually incredibly boring. Warren. She is. But her is. her whole Native American thing makes her there's a lot to talk about. There's some darkness with her. 
a lot of darkness. I mean, how could there not be generation intergenerational trauma of being, you know, uh, wounded knee. Right. Yeah. All that stuff. Trail of tears. Uh, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. She has to wake up every day knowing that Leonard Peltier is still in jail. It's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot, lot for to... one Native American woman to deal with. Right. She's got it's true. Ampy's cheekbones to remember those high <laughs> Indian cheekbones that Ampy had. <laughs> yep. Plus, she killed her first. Uh, she probably killed her first golden retriever. Did she? I I think so. Okay. I feel it in my gut. I feel it in my bones. Like she's a capitalist of her bones. I'm a I'm a golden retriever side. Wait, what was that thing with her big inflatable dog again? Oh yeah, um, big structural Bailey. Big How structural Bailey. Holio. Remember? Yeah, no, I, I remember that. I just I, I, I that's so weird that that it's actually so happened. So weird. I know it feels like a dream almost. Like, is that real or did I have a dream? I had this dream that Elizabeth Warren was like making this weird body movement thing. And also there was a huge blow up of her dog, Bailey, and she was shouting big structural Bailey. Can you, I don't know what I had been smoking. I night. met Bailey. I know he was cute, right? There's a photo of yeah. him. Oh, yeah. but I also believe that Bailey is multiple dogs, like the Ashley and Mary right. Kate Olsen twins. Right. Oh no, was there a photo of you? Yeah, there was a photo of you. Yeah, there's a photo of me with with Bailey. I felt kind of guilty because I felt like I was like appro approaching the dog on false pretenses. Oh, like you weren't, you didn't tell Bailey. Like to be fair, I've mocked you, but yeah, I really exactly. mocked your owner, not you. There's nothing wrong with right. Bailey. You should have anyway. been like, I know you're not really Bailey. You're Bailey number one, Bailey number two. There's no Bailey. God, that was such a weird campaign. So weird. So bizarre. So many people. So many people. What was that about? Why know. were there 28 candidates? Yeah, that was crazy. And we did Camp Crystal Lake. That was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, Wilson, I didn't see this until just now, but Wilson put in Tim Kaine as a boring politician, which I think is a pretty good. Tim Kaine is an extremely, extremely boring, boring. Part. Yeah. He's so boring, we didn't think of him. Exactly. That's the he, big challenge. He was vice president in the most, in, he, he was he was the, the running mate right. in the most interesting presidential election in certainly in American history, I would say. But Kane was in the middle of that story every single so day. Boring. And did we think of him even once? No, it was Wilson who thought of him. I haven't thought. I mean, I did. Re I did recently think about Tim Kaine because I've been doing the Virginia stuff. But even while I was watching a video of him talking, you forgot who it was. I forgot who it was. He is legitimately extremely boring. Really boring. Let's tweet it out and see see what people say. Anyway, all right. What do we have uh, for? Uh, oh, for isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? Sales assistant shocked after spotting used sex toy displayed in charity shop window. Ellie Hardy, 30, Hardy, huh, was shocked when she realized that the Love Honey product had a used sticker on it at the Nottingham store. A woman was shocked after spotting a used sex toy for sale in a charity shop window. Ellie Hardy, 30, could not believe her eyes when she noticed the Love Honey G Tickler on offer for £8.99 at Headway, huh, Headway Charity Shop in Nottingham on sun Saturday. The sales assistant from That's London... That's too cheap. I'm sorry. If I'm going to buy something that I'm going to put inside myself. I want to spend more than eight, eight pounds. Well, I don't know though, but cause it's used. Have you ever, so that oh, it's okay. a game changer. Remember okay, the right. sales assistant from London was left in stitches when she realized on closer inspection that the item, which cost 1999 used. Oh, 
you have a point there, Matt, had a sticker on it saying used. She shared a picture of her bizarre discovery on Facebook later on that day, writing, the used tickled me. Why? The item, which is still listed on the Love Honey site, boasts three speeds and four patterns for exciting vibration variations and has 4.5 stars out of five. Ellie said, we were heading into town to buy some last minute Christmas presents when the G tickler caught my eye in the charity shop window, bottom shelf next to a pair of sparkly shoes. <laughs> I couldn't believe this made it to the window. And on closer inspection, I saw the used sticker and fell into a fit of giggles. It's safe to say this wasn't purchased for one of his last minute gifts. I was shocked and had so many questions. Who in their right mind donates this? Who decided to sell it? And who in their right mind would buy this? I mean, it is true. Here's the thing with the sex toy, right? Like you can't, it, it's a bit of a conundrum because it's not returnable, exchangeable. So you, it's a big investment because you have no idea what it's going to work like, right? So really all sex toys should be sold there. You should buy a sex toy. It should be, have a condom on it. And you have to go back to the store to get the condom removed or something. I mean, cause there are a lot of people who don't have money and who probably would like sex toys. And they're deprived of it just because of this difficult sanitary health issue. I guess you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are probably some low cost solutions to some of those problems, but yeah, federal uh, solutions. That's what Biden could be thinking about. Sex toys, federal solutions to sex toy. Yeah. I mean, what if someone spends thousands of dollars looking for the perfect sex toy? At least they should be able to donate it to charity and <laughs> write it off and get a write off. That's right. It's not That's really right. fair. Yeah. Instead of cards for kids, you'd have. Yeah. There should be a solution to that, though. Secondhand sex toys. Yeah. Because think about how many people must go through them. And then you have nothing to do with them. And then they're just. It... Wasted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not fair. It's not good for the environment. It's not good for people who can't afford sex toys. I just thought of a great plot for a porn movie. What? Donating. It's, it's 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 like sex toy story right oh see i haven't seen toy story so i can't. oh you haven't oh so you know instead of all these toys that no longer have they just are desperate to be played with you know it would have to be like a pixar so quality right but they have to find new owners right the sparkling thing also gave me an idea like what if what if you could rewrite the, the wizard of oz and have a and have a ruby tickler Oh yeah, that's true. right. Right. There's no, there's no place like home. Yeah. <laughs> there's no place like home. <laughs> yeah, and then you turn it on and off, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Instead of the 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 shoes. And you end up back in Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have to have Matt back on for for certain segments like these. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh so staying on the the theme of weird England, interesting story in the Daily Beast. By the way, the Daily Beast's uh, fonts, I, it, it's maybe my least favorite publication for, for a variety of ways, but it's, it's, uh, its presentation is... Oh yeah, the font is, it's kind of violent, the font. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very violent font and it has, and it has this uh, little feature with the slanty yeah. subhead. Um, it's not even that, a subhead, it's like a... Um... Cause they have the subhead, but th that it's like a, it's like they they make up a vertical or something. Yeah. I forget I what we how call do you that. Describe that. It's like a little tag. 
sometimes you'll have a, a thing that sort of finds itself repeatedly in in the, the like the design but this is right this is always new a lot a lot of the the russiagate stories in the daily beast had amazing tags right. like this and they aren't red yeah so if you go on the front page of the of the daily beast you see these red little things in red so it's like the main the headline is trump advisor lays out how he planned to overturn biden win and then red when a stranger calls right yeah exactly woodsman hunting for antlers stumbles on missing mma fighter larger than life <laughs> omicron is breaking us but we can still avert catastrophe new normal <laughs> strange light from space is pitting china against the world trash or treasure, treasure. Wealthy Florida man murdered during luxury hotel orgy, ensnared. <laughs> Russian dissident snatched hours after Daily Beast interview, blood feud. <laughs> and then the last one on the front page is refresh your gym gear lineup with these epic Lululemon deals. Scouted. I hope there's one. I hope they have just one person who's responsible for writing those. I know. That would be great. Christ, they're really insane. Yeah. They're nuts. Anyway, so this this story is called um, "Man Who Tried to Kill the Queen with a Crossbow Made Darth Vader Terror Video Before Breaking into Palace," which is Fair a great warning. headline. Yeah, really. Uh, the dark side. Yeah. So, in a clip sent on Snapchat, the 19-year-old who was arrested with a crossbow in palace grounds calls himself a Sith and says he will try to kill the queen. The story goes, the man who broke uh, into Windsor Castle on Christmas Day, armed with a crossbow, uh, recorded a threatening Snapchat clip, channeling Darth Vader and describing himself as a Sith, uh, said he was planning to assassinate the queen in revenge for a notorious 1919 massacre in India by British soldiers. Wilson, if we can watch this video, which is, it's got a, it's got a strong tra Travis Bickle quality for, and that's, that's probably dating me. Katie, does that, does that, does that, what is it? Uh, ring any bells for you? No. Uh, so the movie Taxi Driver. Oh, you know, it's embarrassing. I've never seen that movie. Oh, well, there's a... Or The Shining. I, maybe I'll see that this holiday. There's a scene where the the crazy soon-to-be uh, would uh, assassin or would-be assassin, um, Robert De Niro, stands in front of a mirror and sort of poses and talks to himself and oh, says, yeah, you're you talking, talking to, to me? me? Talking, yeah. Um, and uh, this this has this has pretty strong Travis Bickle energy, but but it's creepier significantly. So let's take a look. It's real. Yeah. Because what I've done, what I will do, I will attempt to assassinate Elizabeth, Queen of the Royal Family. This is revenge for those who have died in the 1919 Jalalabad massacre. Now he's thinking, now I'll try it without the crossbow. Take two. So the, one of the problems is that you can't really understand him because of the Darth uh, Vader mask. And the effects. Right, that, that's what I meant. Sorry, the, right. The, the mask and the effects, yeah. Yeah, he's trying to create some kind of wind or something. Like, 
echo or also the the crossbow just isn't menacing enough to me like i right. I, I, I was thinking it was going to be a bigger scarier looking crossbow like the kind you used to hunt deer with yeah it doesn't look i like guess a small one is not pleasant either right probably would do the, the job with a queen read. if you were going to shoot the queen with a crossbow where would you aim her head probably yeah where else oh no that's i guess the center that's the best yeah the corpus i would think is corpus, where you would yeah right he was less than 2000 he was he somehow he this is kind of crazy he was less than 2000 feet from the queen's private rooms when he was seized How probably at a dis that? firing distance i'm assuming so yeah that's you know that's getting pretty close he somehow he got past a spiked fence that divides the publicly accessible land of windsor great park from the private grounds of the palace hmm. police have attempted to play down the incident saying the man was arrested within moments of the perimeter being compromised. He says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for what I've done and what I will do. I will attempt to assassinate Elizabeth, queen of the royal family, seeking revenge for the Jallianwala Bagh massacre, as well as those who have been killed, humiliated, and discriminated on account of their on account of their race. Well, I guess if you were gonna kill somebody- the They got a lot is... of blood on their hands. Yeah, I feel kind of bad about this one. This is probably a mental health story. It definitely is a mental health story, yeah this person this is the last time we're going to be talking about this person who yeah we should bleep out his name because we want him to be able to have a healthy good life after he's you know treated except that he won't he's going to he's going to be playing uh although it's england so he might get out yeah they're a bit but, more humane than we are but he, right? he's going to be playing drafts uh into you know well into middle age in some facility where he wears pajamas most of the time the thing is in america what like when you attempt to assassinate the president in America, like what's is the likelihood higher that you'll end up just pump full of bullets or how often have those people actually just been just dis dispatched on the spot? I can't well, remember one. Reagan's one wasn't. Right. McKinley's wasn't, I don't think. Well, Booth escaped and then they had to capture him later. Right. But I they bet they have a whole I bet they have a whole facility like underneath Maryland somewhere full of like the thousands of people who tried to kill the president that we never yeah. heard of they probably just zip them up in rubber sacks and it's right. like the matrix yeah. probably yeah right like they probably have a floating gelatinous thing where they, they just, just suck them into yeah exactly yeah here sit next to the other guy who tried to kill the president eight minutes ago circling back to the un unnamed mentally ill person with the crossbow yeah. How often do people try to kill the queen also? Yeah, I mean, they probably keep that under wraps, right? Like they don't want it to get out. It's not, it doesn't bode well for the, it's not good PR for the, for the royal family. It's not good PR for the people taking care of her or supposed to be taking care of her. Plus she mostly lives in these sweeping estates where you probably couldn't get within a thousand, I mean, a hundred miles of her. What she, yeah. they got within 2000 feet of her this time yeah i guess so interesting what if it was like a daily occurrence we just didn't know about yeah i mean I, that's that's a, that's the thing i wonder about with the united states like i i have to believe that assassination attempts in the united states are are much higher than they're telling us right more frequent because, yeah because we have a very crazy population with a lot of weapons i mean i would almost be disappointed in us if there weren't more right assassination attempts. This, is, this is our last food groups for for, for uh for for a bit anyway so that was sad yeah um, we didn't mention well we didn't mention a real penis once oh you or, know what or dead people 
Yeah, we got to hold on. Man who carved wooden penis in Wilton resolves case. Oh my God, you got to, we got to, this is, it makes, we'd be so remiss to not follow up on this story. It's from just 10 days ago. That's harsh. Castrated by state police reads the sign, but why? WiltonWoody.com. An audacious woodworker who erected a seven foot sculpture of a penis and testicles on his property only to see the, only to face the long arm of the law is on track to resolve his case. Poor, I'm sorry, poor league. Poor lead. There's no, there's no pun. There's no pun. And the long arm of the law is, it's It's still a, a, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a figure of speech, but it doesn't, it's not funny. It's not a funny one. Right. It's almost like, why are you going to use that? It's like, I think they were trying to go as, I think they had a very meek editor who wouldn't let them. I I have a feeling there was a pun in there and that's a kind of mutilated pun. I guess long is. Yeah. What do you think it could have been? What could it, how would you have done this, Matt? An audacious woodworker who erected a seven foot sculpture of a penis and testicles erected. on his property. There. Um, but was shafted by local oh, authorities. Yeah. That's good. Is yeah. on track to resolve his case. Yeah. Uh, or, 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 or uh, to resurrect his case. What's the word for re- bring something back up Uh, yeah resurrect res hyphen erect i like that yeah Yeah. what would the daily beasts red uh oh good Good. uh man who carved william penis in wilton resolves case upsurge uptick standing tall at attention balls what about just balls (laughs) ball ball, balls only balls only oh yeah cocked and loaded that's pretty good. Oh, cocked and loaded is good. I like that. Yeah, that's it. All, All right. right, let's see. Let's let's read this article. Keep let's re- go on. Okay, Jamie Gagne, who became enga- enraged after state police charged him in June 2020 with displaying offensive sexual material on his lawn, is set to have his charges tentatively dismissed under an agreement with Saratoga County prosecutors on Friday. Gagne's case was given an adjournment in contemplation of dismissal, or ACOD which means if he stays out of legal trouble for the next six months, the case will be tossed out. In June 2020, Gagne, then 32, said he carved the phallic statue as a protest after the Saratoga County town of Walton revoked his building permit for his workshop. The prior October, Gagne said he attempted to contact the code enforcer to discuss the situation but could not reach him. Instead, Gagne chose to carve a wooden penis which attracted considerable more considerable more attention. I think they meant considerably. Uh, town supervisor John Lance said residents lodged complaints. On June 18, 2020, state police arrested Gagne and charged him with displaying offensive sexual material. The penis statue was removed, leaving behind only the wooden testes. Gagne, who uses the moniker Woody Wilton irreverently. Wilton, Wilton Woody. Wilton Woody. Irreverently left a memorial reading castrated by state police. <laughs> Establishing dominance with a yard penis. What's that from? What what uh, outlet is that from? This is his uh, site, WiltonWoody.com. Oh, WiltonWoody.com. So if you go to his website, it's establishing dominance with a yard penis. I think he made a mistake not giving it more of a curve. Although I guess it's hard to do. Anyway, good for that guy. Listeners haven't figured out already. Our our guest for this episode is. Uh, and this important historic episode is going to be none other than Thomas Frank, with whom we haven't checked in in a while, and who's got a lot of things on his mind. Yes, as always. You know, he's he's fired up. He's ready to go. 
Yeah. He needs no introduction. He wrote Listen Liberal and What's the Matter with Kansas? Kansas? The Conquest of Cool. Yeah. Started the Baffler. Started the Baffler. To the Guardian. Has been on Bill Maher. How many times do you think we're going to mention the state of Kansas in this interview? I don't know. What do you think? Seven. You can take the over, the under, or the under on that. I'll take the under. Okay. All right. So without further ado, let's let's talk to uh, Thomas Frank. Great. Weight is a psychology-based approach to getting people on track to eating healthier. It takes a more empathetic direction to building sustainable habits for longer-lasting results. Sign up for your trial and get psychology-based support and motivation to reach your goals at noom.com slash idiots. That's n-o-o-m.com slash idiots. Noom. N as in Nancy. O-O-M as in Matthew. Taibi. Not the Taibi part. Just Noom. Not Noom. Noom. And instead of making you feel guilt or regret, Noom empowers you to keep going. And I know that's been helpful for me. Noom. Because sometimes you can feel like you fell off track and then what's the point? But with Noom, you don't have to look at it that way. You can just get back on it. Noom. So start building better habits for healthier, long-term It's kind of like moon backwards. Actually, it is exactly moon backwards. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash idiots. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash idiots. My, I want Wait, to talk have, about. Have this. we started? No, we haven't. Let's do a welcome. No fourth wall. We'll just do intro. Then you'll tell us the story about the scare. I was going to actually work what? it into the uh, the narrative. I have a whole like thing planned. I'm going to read All a right. speech Great. to you guys. It goes for awesome. 90 minutes. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to welcome back to Useful Idiots. Thomas Frank, major friend of the show, good friend of the show, good man, good writer, good. So he's, he's I don't know. Good is strong Matt. enough word. No, for, I'm trying. I don't want his head to get too big, though. No, don't oh. do that. Don't, don't, Decent don't throw me. I hate that. Yeah, I'm, Decent I'm okay. Writer. I'm all right. You're okay. He's okay. Yeah. D- does uh, Thomas Frank know two things? I have to ask. Does, does he know about? Does he know about the historic nature of this broadcast? And, and secondly, does he so. know? Does he know that uh, when you search for Thomas Frank on Google, under people also ask, the first question is, is Thomas Frank liberal or conservative? Ah, isn't that awesome? I, I thought you were going to say, how many home runs has Thomas Frank hit? <laughs> oh, yeah. How you many know, home- did, I ever tell you, did I ever tell you guys about how uh, I, I constantly get emails for Frank Thomas? Oh, right. The, yes, uh, of course. The, the, yeah, I played for the White Sox back in the day. And it, here's the really funny, and I still get them. I get them all the time. I got one just the other day. I get both his um, nice emails, people that want his autograph or something, and people who hate him. You know, Why would and, anybody uh, hate Frank Thomas? Who the, I don't know. And then, wait, get this. There's another one uh, who wrote for USA Today who goes by Thomas Frank and has never changed it. And he, um, I've never met him. I don't know anything about him. I do get people send me emails directed to him all the time. Uh, and uh, uh, he got in trouble a couple years ago. In the Trump era, do you remember this, Matt? He, um, there was a CNN. It was, it was the kind of thing that you write about. It was, it was a, a RussiaGate story that went wrong. Uh, it turned out they, that that CNN published it before it was. I mean, it wasn't. Oh yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyhow, the the, uh, the New York Times did a story about CNN's screw up and used my photograph. <laughs> right. Right. Because he. Because he. Right. Yeah, amazing. And it's like, wow, like that's, uh, you know, a screw up on top of a screw up. Yeah. 
that's yeah. that's pretty impressive. That's not that's not easy yeah, to do. So so yeah, I've got quite a record of being <laughs> mistaken for other people. For other people. So what do you have going on, Tom? What, what what's Nothing. new? I'm I'm visiting. I, it's you know vacation. I'm visiting my family in Kansas City. And uh, uh, came out here. We took my wife and I took every imaginable precaution coming out here, and still had a COVID scare. What was it? A, it was a false positive on a one of these uh, home home tests. Mm. And um, and so she had already gone home by that point, and and uh, spent the day trying to get a a real test. You know, a, a what do you call it? A PCR test. Right. And um, you know, and we're all terrified because we don't. We're trying to avoid giving this to my elderly father. It turned out to be a false positive. But in the meantime, I also decided to drive all around Kansas City looking for a, a PCR. I tested negative on the same take home test. I don't have any, you know, but I was like, I got to be sure. And uh, as a result, I had a really um, interesting brush with our healthcare system in this country, which is to say our healthcare non system. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we were I, I wanted to talk to you guys about the, you know, one year of Biden, because last time I was on was I don't remember when I was on. With no, you, but, it wasn't last time you were on was like May, but the time. Before right. We were talking. That's right. We were talking about. Yeah. But but woke CIA. What, but the time before then was right. at. After yeah. We were talking speech. about the uh, also when the on election night, you know, that was re- that was really memorable. And oh, I got re- yeah. I got really trashed. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> but and, uh, and I, and I went to bed that night. Because we didn't know who was going to win, right? Right. I, I and on and on and on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, go ahead. And, uh, uh, and so I thought it'd be good to look back over that. And what just keeps hitting me in the face is how we elected Biden to take this situation in hand and, uh, uh, and how it, that just has not happened. I mean, you go out and try to get a test. You saw those pictures in the New York Times, people standing in these enormous lines to get tested before they go on their Christmas vacation and stuff. It's, it's unbelievable. We were just talking about this sort of in the, in the top of the show. Um, What's your perspective on, and and this has been a running theme of ours for a while back now, but what's your perspective on things like build back better kind of being left by the wayside. My, my thought on this has been that they didn't really want to pass it and therefore they didn't. The thesis, the grand thesis of listen liberal. Yeah, I, yeah, Democrats pretend that they don't have an that that's inability. Yes, yeah, so they of will. That that's exactly right. Uh, they uh, they're just bottomlessly frustrating, and uh, you often get the sense that fundraising drives the party, um, not uh, actual achievements. Uh, it, you know, look the uh, uh, what what the 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 theory of of listen liberals that the Democrats are a class party is just not the class that it's not working class it's the wrong class yeah exactly yeah yeah it's they're a class party but it's, it's a professional elite it's a professional class and uh that's th- who they really care about and that's you know who they do favors for and that's that's who benefits from their from their you know from their time in office and um and part of that is their continual failure to do i mean look I don't know if anybody would call me an expert on on American politics, but it has been, uh, you know, I would never get to sit at the Rolling Stone round table that you described (laughs) earlier. But it's obvious to me from my 30 years of observing and writing about this stuff that what ails the Democratic Party and what ails American politics in general is that neither of the two parties are seriously give a damn about ordinary working people. They really don't 
care. And they uh, they both make noises about it. Uh, the Republicans in the cultural vein and the Democrats in that and they don't do anything. And the situation gets worse and worse and worse. And the thing is that it, it's it's the American politics, which seems so awful and like um, a stalemate. And, you know, we're at each other's throats and we're close to civil war. And you've seen all the crap you saw the Wall Street Journal to just today, this morning, this story about like it's toxic. Politics used to be about partisanship and now it's toxic. We hate each other so much. This is an incredibly easy answer to all this. For the Democrats, anyway, do something for these people. You'd, you'd be right. you'd, you would triumph. You would you would be if you actually were to deliver uh, on like, uh, you know, like um, 15 dollar an hour minimum wage or make pharmaceuticals affordable or get universal health care, you know, do any of these things uh, have, you know, or union organizing all they over. They would America. never lose another election. <laughs> yeah. Ever, they'd be like, again. they'd be like Roosevelt. They'd have 40 year triumph. And, uh, and, and the same goes for the Republicans, but they'll never do any of those things. They're not interested in, in doing those things. The Democrats at least say they are, you know, right. and, uh, well, and it's, okay. instead they deliver like, you know, shit. I'm so, sorry. I, I should try to keep. No, it no, no. But I mean, I think, but I think this is an interesting point because the Republicans are are being forced out of the the game of big money donors. So they're going to have to adapt. Yes, that's that's to, another a really interesting story. But uh, not right? like, big, so, like as an individual big money donors or as well, they're just they're. It, it used to be that that you know a, a preponderance of the big industry money from financial services weapons makers oil oil and gas is still true but 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 yeah. most of the pharmaceutical companies it most like 55 45 it went it went right. to republicans because right. they that's what they mostly wanted um but Wait, can, in, can i step in here katie sure. matt, matt and i are older than you and in the 80s <laughs> <laughs> like, like, go back and look at the election of '84. The money no, I'm is just saying, aren't they still there? Aren't they still there? Is my no, they're, point. no, they're like, not. The, Biden, the Biden, out, Biden outraised, and Hillary outraised right, and but, outspent the Republicans. And and Biden, uh, Biden not, was like, not, not even not... the incumbent. Trump completely changed the equation about this because yeah. the, the the corporate America, by and large, even though they're in favor of a lot of the kind of deregulatory policies yeah. that Trump pushed. From a stability and predictability point of view, they were much more comfortable culturally with Hillary with, or Biden. With, with Hillary yeah. or Biden, and that's why you know Hillary outraised yeah. Trump two to one the first time. Yeah, and it was so it was it, a little it was a little closer in 2020. Yeah. Uh, but but so, but the uh, there's this there's been a transformation among America's rich. So what's the matter with Kansas was about this change, this slow sea change in uh, the white. The votes of the white working class. Oh, I just noticed there's a bird nest in the tree right outside my window. Hmm. Metaphor for something. And it's a yeah, it's a flicker. I can see him from here. Um, doesn't matter. Okay, <laughs> there's the sea change in in working class um, politics, but the much more rapid and more startling changes in the allegiance of the professional elite. So when we were kids, they were Republicans. Like your family doctor would have been a Republican. Um, uh, people that financial worked, analysts. Yep, all these people. Uh, people worked on Wall Street. They all would have been Republicans, and today they tend to be Democrats. Over, yeah, yes. Now there are still there's still big money on the Republican side, of course, uh, and but it tends to be entrepreneurial money. People who um, who uh, don't work for you know who don't have 
uh, advanced degrees, people who uh, built their own companies. Yep. Who own their own company, who built up their own company, uh, people who aren't in the big metro areas, stuff like that. So I'm speaking to you from Kansas City, a suburb of Kansas City. The and it happens to be, you know, the neighborhood where I grew up. So I'm fascinated by it. And I, I think I've shared this with, with you before. And uh, and it, it, but it's a it, it's it's an amazing story. So when I wrote What's the Matter with Kansas, this neighborhood that I'm sitting in was overwhelmingly Republican. Every elected official from the neighborhood was Republican. You know, they went to the state leg- representatives in the state legislature, county officials. All of them were Republican. It's the, by far the richest uh, city in the state of Kansas gave overwhelmingly, was the biggest donor to politics in Kansas and gave overwhelmingly to Republicans. Everybody was a Republican here. Uh, It just went for Biden. And it went for Biden. I I looked it up. He won every single precinct in this neighborhood. Um, And uh, that's uh, that's what's happening with the American elite across the board. Yeah, I mean, we looked at uh, if you, if you look at the last couple of congressional elections, like forty one of the top fifty wealthiest districts are voted Democrat. All of the top ten, and the numbers are are not just you know majority numbers; they're overwhelming. They tend to be like you know between sixty five and ninety percent voting in these districts where Republicans used to be used to be pretty competitive. Conversely, what we're seeing, and, and Ryan Grimm just wrote about this in The Intercept recently about the Virginia elections, you know, re- Republicans gained basically with every kind of working class voter in Virginia across all races. Yeah, including non-white working including class non- people. Yeah, exactly. That's, and that's, you see that all over the place. The, uh, I, I want to say though, what what's the what's the distinction between the rich, the wealthy who support the D's and the wealthy who support the R's? And what it tends to be is um, identification with, and this is going to interest you, Matt, with education. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people who trace their um, success to their to uh, to education, you know, who, who's who's uh, based on educational credentials, educational achievement. They have advanced degrees. They went to a good college, etc. These people are almost always. Um, Democrats. Democrats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Demo- yeah. That's that that is the you know professional elite. You know what's really f- I, I don't want to complain. I should not talk about this stuff in a personal way, but it is funny writing about this for years and seeing it all come true. And yet, and now I, I basically have to write for, for foreign outlets. <laughs> right. It's, right. It's unacceptable to say this stuff in America. Well, Tom, you and I have talked about this before, but like we we were part of a wave. Uh, that was already getting rid of the older, like Jimmy Breslin style uh, columnists, right? Well, like you, the, you speak for yourself. I liked that guy. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying is like the, the it, it used to be in every market there was the working class columnist, Mike Royko. He was one of my Royko. heroes. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And then they started to vanish from from all those papers and they were replaced by people who had the sen- the same political sensibilities but they had different backgrounds they were yes. they were they were from professional class backgrounds and yes. they didn't they didn't speak in the vernacular of yes. of, of that's of, right and there's and, the, 
you know the book about this it's called the boys on the bus yeah tim krauss 19, yeah. 1972 and it's a, it is a celebration of the triumph of what he calls professional uh journalists people who went to journalism school he because he says these old working class journalists were um uh couldn't see past the lies they uh, they were um I, I don't have the book in front of me but it's it, he goes on and on and on about this how great it is this new generation of journalists in the 70s and uh, i think matt with you and i that uh you and me not you and i thank you Katie. To... I, I was just about to correct myself and you got me uh <laughs> you and i are a second um removed from that in that we've right. seen through the whole uh the, the professionals aren't so the whole idea of professionalism is that they are uh, have the public uh, interest at, at heart and they care about uh, other people, not, um, you know, themselves. And right. what you and I have discovered is that, in fact, they are very self-interested and they act as a class. Right. Mm -hmm. They pretend the, that they're the just calling insight. balls and strikes. That's yes, the they pretend to be object. They pretend to be objective objectivity. But it's always um, there's always class interest at heart. And your your stories about Loudon, Matt, are. Like uh, you've seen this now face to face. Well, any, anytime you write about education, and I know I should stop blabbing, but I, no, I but I mean, I, 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 I think it speaks to a lot of the stuff that you've been writing about for years. With you know, beginning with what what's what's the matter with Kansas is that you know, it's a sort of pro progressive alienation of the Democratic Party uh, from their yeah. own theoretical base. Yeah, like these, these a lot of these people should be their voters, you know, and and used, lot, and, and used, used to or, be, or their or parents used, were, or their parents were right, uh, you know, especially these immigrant communities, like the, you know, these sort of new new Indian and Asian immigrants, um, they, they just would never have thought to vote any for anybody else, right? And and yeah, it's it, like it, like an asshole like Trump. That's just like it blows my mind. Right, right. And then, and then, you know, the, the but they're speaking now, and they've they've been so far removed. I think, you know, that their identity is like the the person on the block, right? That Mike Royko type voice who hung out with the hard hats and, you know, knew knew what it was like to sit around with a bunch of a bunch of people who are just jackhammering during, you know, like the, that person doesn't exist in 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 journalism in, in journalism for sure. But I also don't think it really in in academia or in, Dem in Democratic Party poli or anywhere in politics. Well, you got really. a, you got Joe Biden. Come on now. Let's that's be true. fair. Yeah, that's, that's Joe Biden. He's like, yeah. what's funny is he is like uh, he is that's like the last one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can, can I just say I uh, 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 and I'm sorry to blab so much. No, Andy, no. I, I apologize. That's I, I, th I think everybody should read Matt's uh, series about Loudoun County. And I want to okay. uh, go back to. So I'm going to tell you. Uh, uh, yeah, you guys haven't heard from me in a while. One of, one of the things I've been doing is I, when What's the Matter with Kansas came out, it was a, you know, we didn't know it was going to succeed. That was came as kind of a surprise to everybody involved. And, um, and I never made, I never recorded an audio book of it. And so I just went back and did that uh, back in November. And I guess it's going to be out pretty soon. Oh, cool. um, yeah. And so, but I, I had occasion to reread it after many years, you know, to reread the whole thing. And uh, there are parts of it that, uh, that I, you know, obviously that I'm still really proud of. But one of the things that really struck me is this, uh, this is when that, you know, the whole thing about the professional elite versus the white working class, when that first occurred to me and the way it occurred to me. I, so I don't know if you know the, the origin story of that book. 
I, I was living in Chicago and uh, Kansas, you know, uh, had this big fight over the theory of evolution. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I would read about it in like the Chicago Tribune or whatever, and I couldn't believe it, right? Because I hadn't been back to Kansas in a long time. I grew up here in the 80s and the 70s, and this was not the kind of place that would ever do that. It was not Tennessee in the 1920s, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. what the hell? And it was so embarrassing. And I, uh, I, I finally decided I had to look into this and I had to write about it. And uh, it's it's sort of deep into what's the matter with Kansas. So I, you know, I don't blame people who didn't get that far in the book. But what what happened was uh, what the conservatives discovered was they could set up a kind of culture war set piece. And they, they do this to this day. And you, you happened upon it yourself, Matt, just the other day, although the, what, what you describe is much more organic than, than the, the theory of evolution fight. So these guys in Kansas picked this fight. And they contrived you know, over the theory of evolution. And the idea was parents should have a say. Their argument was parents should have a say in what their children are taught in biology class. Right. And we want and the parents, if you ask people what they think about about the theory of evolution, they'll always say, we think they should teach all the theories. Right. And like, well, design. what? Yeah, intelligent design. These other ones, which are, are ridiculous, and nobody takes them. Nobody, no scientist takes them seriously. But parents are very fair-minded. They, they, uh, in in Kansas at least, they tend to be fairly religious, and so they, um, they, they'll always answer that way. We think that that the biology teacher should have to teach all the theories. Okay, so if you're a, a smart conservative activist, you set this situation up where the uh, parents confront the scientific. Uh, experts. And they they actually did this in Kansas. They, it wasn't really a courtroom, but it was some kind of public hearing and uh, where you have a, you know, a humble parent from, you know, Prairie Village or something like that. And then you have a paleontologist from the University of Kansas come on. And what does the paleontologist do when you start giving him uh, questions? He pulls rank. Always, always, 100% of the time, the expert will pull rank. I have a PhD from blah, 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 blah. And I know all about this. And, you know, who are you? And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And every time. And this is the culture wars. This is the culture wars. You get this expert to come out there and pull rank on a humble, you know, ordinary, unprepossessing uh, taxpayer and voter. And the expert, you know, is right about the theory of evolution. Like, let's be honest. He's right about that. But politically, it's poison. It's absolute poison to say parents shouldn't have a say in what their kids are taught. It's like, yeah, good luck with that one, guys. And and that's when you're right. Like, because I I had the almost identical experience. I had to cover the Dover case in Oh, yes, I, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I had to cover that whole trial. You remember, Katie, this was the big intelligent design case in the yeah. early 2000s where there was a school district in Dover, Pennsylvania, that it, it was a it was actually a really bizarre, weird uh, local story uh, involving like a, a just barely uh, a quorum of local officials who managed to stick intelligent design into the curriculum and it exploded into this national controversy that um and there was a big trial that was supposed to be like the scopes monkey trial and exactly exactly what what tom described took took place which is the the witnesses for you know sort of against intelligence design they were all the leading 
experts in the world. They, they came from Harvard and wherever. And all they did is, 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 is they talked about their credentials and they, and they went off about how stupid the theory was. And the result was they, they overwhelmingly won the case. It wasn't even close. Um, but they, I think they lost politically a lot in, in that situation. And Matt, that's, uh, that's, but that's the essence of the culture wars is to set up these set pieces of experts versus democracy again and again and again and again. And, and they don't even have to set it up anymore. We do it naturally now, you know, yeah. right. I mean, just, just open up the New York times every day. There's another one or Fox news every day. There's another one. Yeah. And the, but where this really starts to break down is when the experts start being wrong about things, um, you know, yes. and, and, which, and, which ha happens with incredible regularity these days. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I, and the I think lab that, leak hypothesis. Oh my Lord. Yeah, yeah. Let's not go into that now, but yeah. Yeah. Or the, you know, the financial crisis, you know, all the things they got the, wrong about that. The, the Iraq war, Afghanistan. Come on. Right. It goes were on they wrong on. or did they, were they wrong as in they didn't get it or they got it? It was just a morally, ethically wrong position. Well, they were, well, they were, they were corrupt. I mean, in all of these cases, you see the same thing. You see enormous conflicts of interest. You see the right. corrupt, the corruption of the professionals, the corruption of the, of yeah. the experts, and you see them acting in their class interest, the bailout, yeah, exactly. the bailouts of wall street are the classic example. But uh, another one is the uh, uh, opioid epidemic. That's not drug smugglers doing that. Yeah, that's big pharma. And that's the medical profession doing that. It's that's it's the most incredible thing. And mm -hmm. but you also see it in the, the lab leak hypothesis. They circle the wagons. If that turns out to be true, as Katie, you, you and I talked about on a famous occasion, if the, if that hypothesis turns out to be true, um, then it then science you know had a uh had then, then science had a hand in 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 causing the pandemic and scientists know this and they are defending one another and acting in their you know interests as a um as a profession and there you can see them doing it they do it all the time they're you know they circle the wagons they defend one another their censorship on you know you know about that the censorship on uh, social media right uh, anyhow they they act as a class Right. So it's not like they're wrong. They're not mistaken. Well, they could be mistaken. Well, wait a minute. About they, they, they are mistaken all the time. The, the financial crisis is the classic example. It was all based on the idea that, you know, that real estate values never go down. Well, that was wrong. Uh, you know, there, and there are a, a bunch of other errors uh, mixed in. But uh, right. OK, so it's a combo of mistakes and also but intentional the, the, the lying that, with class interests. Yes, but the mistakes are the mistakes of orthodoxy. So the way professions yeah. work is, is it's a consensus. They arrive at consensus right. through um, peer review, through other processes, and they all have to they all agree on something that's orthodoxy. What about when the orthodoxy is wrong? As right, it often right. is. So, for example, in trade, all remember in the 90s, you guys remember um, all those economists signed the group letter supporting NAFTA. It will increase manufacturing in America. Mm -hmm. You know, exactly the opposite happens. And now, you know, 20 years later, Paul Krugman and the gang are like, oh, dude, we were wrong. Right. Well, they, they and were Trump they, runs on it. Yes, yeah. they were all wrong together. That's the important thing. If they're all wrong together, then nobody gets punished. Nothing. Vietnam War right. is the same thing. They're all wrong together. The Iraq War, they're all the whole foreign policy community is all wrong together. This is the, the recurring problem with these guys, um, that and then the self-interest stuff. But uh, orthodoxy is is absolute poison. And Matt and Katie, you and I 
uh, took a vow. Okay, maybe we didn't, but we 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 like metaphorically took a vow. This was what I. This is what the baffler was all about. If you've got an orthodoxy, I'm here to smash it. You know, I'm mm. here with my sledgehammer and I'm going to attack it. And what's funny is that as uh, as I've got older, and I sort of thought that my side would win that dispute, right? The internet and everything, you could say anything you wanted. It's the opposite has happened. Orthodoxies have have triumphed hmm. in this country in a, in, a, in a way that's kind of astonishing. Uh, yeah, I think that's um, a fascinating story because you, the, the and you know if you read books by people like Martin Gurry, like the whole the whole thesis is that orthodoxies cannot survive um, the internet. Yeah, no, so the, but the opposite happened. Groupthink, yeah. you know, groupthink. We are all. We're all afraid of being called out, you know, getting canceled, uh, getting censored. Yeah. And they're able to mandate. I, I think I think they've come around to the idea that that it has to be managed uh, very aggressively to prevent, you know, the the kind of emperor has no clothes effect right. that, the, that the, the Internet had on on orthodoxies. That's sort of inherent to what what the Internet is all about. It's 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 pretty difficult to keep up any kind of fiction for any length of time, as long as there's this endless number of people who are looking at a problem. I mean, if you well, remember, well, I mean, so you say, but these things have a, uh, have a powerful, you know, this group think stuff has, so you're, you're very optimistic. I'm, I'm a glass half empty kind of guy. <laughs> and I think uh, that I they think of the, Matt as a major optimist, although he did show some optimism well, he, the other day about America. That was cute. I, I went back and reviewed this story. I know I sent it to both of you. It's the last political story I wrote and probably, well, I don't want to say we'll ever write, but uh, it was for Le Mans okay. Diplomatique and it was uh, my theory of the Trump years. And I kept Matt, I've, I, I've, I've like talked to you many times, like I want to write the theory of the Trump years. So I finally sat down and wrote it. And my, my the idea is that the Trump years were this kind of um, experiment in, not experiment, but the professional elite felt that you know this uh, uh, sort of um, existential challenge to itself that it, the war was on in the in the form of trump and at first they called this populism remember and populism was supposed yeah. to be this uprising of the ignorant like stupid people saying that they could run things as well as the professionals etc and uh, but by the end they had basically emerged triumphant and if you go back and read a lot of the early like uh, the so the but the the, the hallmark of the Trump years uh, was was hysteria, you know, hysteria about Russiagate, hysteria about this, hysteria about that, hysteria about everything. The basically. caravan, Kavanaugh nomination, whatever, yeah. bounty no, I'm, gate, I'm whatever not, it was. Yeah, I'm not talking about Republicans here. I'm talking about the uh, uh, the sort of society's ruling class. It's hegemonic right. elite, the ones who speak. Mm -hmm. Okay, the ones who the ones who 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 talk. Uh, you know, the ones who are in the newspapers and control TV and, you know, control the sort of uh, what would you call it? The um, the news cycle. But more than that. But no, but uh, come on. The uh, commanding heights of our society, mm -hmm. uh, of our of our civilization. Uh, and these people felt like they were uh, facing an existential challenge in the form of Trump. And if you go back and read like the early texts on this, it's pretty funny what they say Trump is going to do. Trump is going to censor them. Trump is going to censor the press. Trump is going to unleash. Uh, they didn't have the word cancel culture yet, but Trump is going to unleash these Twitter hordes who are going to shout down experts. 
you know, and, and you go right down the list and they're basically describing all the things that did happen, but they didn't happen to them. They have, they, you know, you see what I'm saying? They got they, it exactly they wrong. It. They did yes. it. Trump himself got kicked off of Twitter, you know, all, and uh, they, they, they were constantly saying Trump is going to, this is a big one. Trump is Hitler, of course. That was the comparison on everyone's lips. Trump is waiting for his, his Reichstag moment. You know, he's going to be a strong man and he's going to he's going to wait for a, a crisis like 9-11 and then he's going to take power and, and you know, all this stuff. And it, it actually came to pass. COVID. And he didn't do it. <laughs> right. It's yeah. a, it, it's a, anyhow, it's just this period of professional class hysteria and fantasy that is absolutely fascinating. And I wonder if we will ever. um I mean, I feel like we've recovered from it to some degree now that, you know, Trump is gone. Uh, but anyhow, I should shut up now and let you know. I mean, I think that's an interesting where, where do they go from here is the question, right? Because you have you almost you yes, almost have like that, a, 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 a you've reminded party. Me, yeah, yeah yes, like, because they, they what they what they missed in their in their hysteria and their frenzy and their, you know, uh, the, the desire to denounce and all this, what they missed is that Trump also represented opportunity when Trump beat Hillary. Nobody thinks about this anymore. Trump was to her left on a bunch of issues. Yeah. On trade, on Wall Street, yeah. as, as you know, you know, this Matt, he, he, he was constantly denouncing Goldman Sachs. Do you remember this? And uh, there were there was a bunch of other things, too. Um, now, he was a, a, a racist asshole on, a, on, a, on, a, on, on, on many things, but it doesn't take a genius to see that Trump broke the consensus of 30 years standing. Trump just smashed it. You know, here's a Republican candidate attacking Wall Street. Here's a Republican candidate attacking these free trade agreements. The party of the left, you know, attacking them from the left. The party of the left should say, wait a second. This is a, this is an opportunity. This is our chance to do something really, you know, to break out of this cycle that we've been in ever since Reagan. Here's our chance to smash it. And they did the opposite. They did. They did the opposite. They're like, okay, you you know, if the Republicans aren't going to be the party of Wall Street anymore, we'll do that. We'll take that. that And to hear the rest of the interview, please go to usefulidiots.substack.com. Now, that was great. Always fun to talk to Tom. We, we sort of let ourselves get carried away there, but we always do with him because it's we so interesting it's, to it's talk to him. It's a good time. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to stop. I like and, what he uh, was like, and then I'll shut up as if we want him on the show. To yeah, like we invited, him, we invited him on to like hear his thoughts. We don't want yeah. him to shut up, but no. It's, maybe, it's, uh, maybe he thinks we want to have him on like the Chris Farley interview where we're like, Tom, remember you wrote that piece? That remember that awesome. time that, that time you were so awesome? That was awesome. No, that was great, and yeah, was great. Uh, which brings us to a uh, to to a sad moment. Uh, so here we are at the end of the of uh, you know it'll it'll be the last show for a while. So thank you so much to everybody. It's been so much fun doing this, and it's not over though. This is not no, the it's end. not over. It's going to keep going with a different co-host, and even that though. And then Matt's going to pop up. Don't forget about those pop ups. With those pop-ups, yeah, I'll pop, yeah. I'll pop up from time to time, and and the second he hands in those galleys, that's right. Then, then, I'm, then I'm, then I'm back in service. So yeah, but thanks for, thanks for hanging in. Have a great new year, and yeah. uh, and, and we I will see you. I'll see you with Aaron Mate Monday morning. That's right. You will see uh, uh, Katie with Aaron on Monday morning, and I I will be uh, right uh, fighting my first deadline, which I'm already late on. So. Uh, 
But thank you to everybody and have a great holiday. And uh, namaste. See you soon. Hello. Thank you so much for listening to and watching Useful Idiots. For full episodes and extended interviews, please subscribe at usefulidiots.substack.com. You can subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash usefulidiots for clips, live streams, and full episodes. Also, subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at usefulidiotpod and use the hashtag usefulidiotspod. Join us Mondays at 10 a.m. for the Useful Idiots Monday Morning Show, where we discuss the Sunday morning news shows so you don't have to watch them. All right, see you back here in 25 minutes. Is it this? <laughs> no, 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 no. This is what I was thinking of. <laughs> what is that? Matthew Jackson, Jackson. Matthew Jackson. What, 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 what is that? How does he have testes on his, coming out of his neck? What is that?